The Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. But you and Menachem are like this. Very close. And we have, they have this brother. I mean, honestly, my other, outside of my kids, my siblings are my biggest blessing in life. I just got the, I lucked out. I got the lottery. Honestly, I, I don't know if I would have gotten through so much without them. It's, it's funny because yeah. I've realized that too. Uh, yeah. My siblings have actually been really good to me during divorce and everything like that. It's been really wonderful. And there have been ups and downs with it. Um, you know, it hasn't been perfect. And I've been in, haven't been in the greatest place either, you know, throughout the just divorce process, but they've been responsive and loving. And so it's been good. And you think about like the people who are supposed to be by your side during tough times, it's really your siblings. So, yeah. And they also get you in a way that other people just can't, even if they're different personalities, they just understand your history in a way that just other people can have sympathy or compassion or under or learn about but not that same level of understanding well I also you know like I think there's a double-edged sword to that you know like your siblings know you from when you were a kid right and they know you from other moments in life and sometimes it's you know hard to see them as an adult as a completely independent figure outside of those experiences but that's all the stuff that also helps you out I think when you go through difficult times, cause they're like, well, we were there and we saw you at this time. And so like that stuff is part of the bigger picture than what's going on with you now. And so that's the stuff that really matters. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it, it may be stunting in some way to only envision someone as one particular type in your life, right? My younger sisters are always gonna be my younger sisters. My older brother is always gonna be my older brother. Uh, but they're different people. They're their own individual people now. They're married and then they have kids and they have careers and they live their own lives in their own places. And that matters too. That is part of who they are. But it's difficult to kind of work that in when your sole experience to them is of this one particular thing and this one particular context. Um, and that's the thing that helps you out the most, like you're saying, when you know you need them the most. I I've had um, you know, I, I needed them to close ranks around me, right? I needed them to be like, all right, we are your family right now because the family that you had, or at least the idea of family that you had dissolved. And so you need someone, you need some group to be part of you right now. And there have been some tensions with that. Um, you know, it hasn't been perfect. Um, I admittedly, like I have asked for loyalty in that way, not in like a Trumpian way, Right. Not like a do or die kind of way. Um, but I've asked for that. I want that type of loyalty because that's what I need. Right. When I don't have like the family that can be by my side to, you know, face the world with in terms of the ones that I created, having a partner in that way, family is the one that I hold on to in that way. And so, um, I mean, that's what I think is really uh, beautiful about your relationship with Menachem. Right. I mean, when he's come on the podcast, either as an individual or when we had your mother on, um, he's there for you. He's your brother. 
he's you know a real kind of soldier in that way and i think that's a really beautiful thing he is there for me yes oh, i'm so blessed and quite thankful so i will travel to babysit if need be Malcolm's also asked me to raise his children should he have children <laughs> so i'm how is he expecting up. to have those children <laughs> well he's assuming that i guess whoever's bearing his children i i don't know um should it should the necessity arise i am listed as available to raise his kids <laughs> <laughs> I won't even consider what that looks like. I think he but wants okay. to be more of a fun uncle than a father. So. The funkle? Yeah. The funkle, yeah. I like playing the role of funkle. Yeah. My nieces yeah. and nephews aren't quite old enough to really appreciate that just yet, but they will be. At some point, they will be. And they'll be coming out to visit us in California at some point, hopefully as individual kids. And like, I will be the funkle. It'll be really fun. It'll be a good. So this is a new stage for me because you know me and my older siblings all got married kind of around the same time and all had kids and so I have a lot of other nieces and nephews but they were they were born the same time my kids were born so my attention was on my own kids and I wasn't yeah. going to dote or babysit on my nieces and nephews but now my kids are older and now my younger brother is you know having a baby and I'm sure that they'll have more and my sister just got married and so I feel totally in a different role now as an aunt than before. Of oh, I can okay. an aunt. Your kids oh, are so older. Fun. Yeah, my kids are done. I'm done. <laughs> so, have you established a relationship with your sisters and brothers' kids? Like now that they're older. Well, there's only one. Right. The new one is three months old, okay, and I'm so her favorite, obviously. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're going the distance. But what about the other ones, though? Have you been able to like establish a sense of mishpacha with them? Yeah, we spend a lot of time together as a family, so they definitely know who I am, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but one sister lives in Israel, and you know her kids are all over. Um, and then one sister lives. Only three of us have kids, so yeah. Do they call you Dota Sheva? Auntie Sheva. Auntie Sheva. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. That's sweet. Yeah, that's really nice. So, what are we yeah. supposed to talk about? What are we, we're we're talking about? I think like we're, we're just checking in. Uh, how our spiritual check in. in? Yeah, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional check in. Oh man, all those big ones. Jeez. Okay. You can choose A, B, C, D, E, or all the above. I we'll do it all. I right, let's just do it all. <laughs> we'll use the time before the Google account before the Zoom account runs out. So whatever it is, and I just want to say that this episode is brought to you by Cutwater, the mango margarita, which is delicious, by the way. Oh, wow. Are we doing free unpaid ad spots? We might That's be right new. now since it's helping me <laughs> with this conversation. Yeah, it actually feels good at the end of a really long, hot day. Crack open a mango margarita, friends, and not only will you feel refreshed, but it'll sneak up on you and it'll make you feel real good. Hashtag mango margarita. Hashtag mango margarita. Exactly. <laughs> Let it be known um, that I enjoy the fruity, delicious mangaritas. Margaritas. Noted. Mangaritas. Putting the man in mangarita. Putting the man. That's really good. There you go. That's really good. So you went on a trip to Italy with your kids. I've had a very busy summer. I, and it, 
it feels like it's over. We're only halfway through. I know, I've right? Just been moving around a lot. Jeez, feels like the whole world like has whole been month. moving around a lot. Yeah. In, I think everyone's trying to get their travel in before the recession full on hits. Oh, before the world really catches on fire. First it's Roe v. Wade, then it's housing and everything like that. And yeah. Yes. And so I went to Israel. My sister got married there. And then I Mazel took my tov. kids, thank you, on a backpacking trip, a 10 day trip to Italy, which was a phenomenal and amazing experience. And my, I, went backpacking in Italy many, many, many years ago after high school. And I loved Italy. It just spoke to me. I loved the people. I loved the the country. It was just so beautiful. I loved the energy. And I just always had this in my mind, get back there one day. And it it was a surreal experience. I'm not sure if I have any other thing in my life that was a bucket list like that, like some, something that I did so long ago that I will readdress or come back to and checking that off, something that I've been meaning to do for so long and it taking so long to get there. That was an interesting experience for me. I loved Europe when I went. I was living in Israel and I visited Europe on two separate occasions. I mean, I went to England and then I went to Amsterdam at one point, which are very different experiences. Uh, and I'm not going to go into detail about either one of them, lest they pose some type of incriminating evidence about me. Um, but I'm very, like, I would love to go to Italy and Italy sounds beautiful. We're not just for the fact that I love pizza and pasta. Uh, and so that would be my eat, pray, love moment. And I'm curious about your eat, pray, love moment, particularly, you know, like, because you've said that you did it prior to being married and having kids, right. When you were still kind of young, Sheva, really impressionable and different, and you're still very and religious. And re- so right, yes, was, you were very religious. It that. was post. I went to Israel after high school for seminary, uh, which is religious. I don't even know, like a religious school for girls post high school. Yeah. And then I went from there on my way home to Italy. So I, we were religious, and it was so interesting to compare where I'm at now to where I was then, and then also where my kids are at, and trying to balance everyone's needs in one trip. So but I remember yeah, when let's I went to Italy that. eons ago, first trip, we were keeping kosher, which is so insane because Italy is known for its food. And we just, the only thing we can get that was kosher were Twix bars. So we would eat oh, produce that. and Twix. No, no, no. <laughs> Twix, Twix bars, bars are the ultimate chocolate bar because oh they don't have God. any too much of anything. It's the right amount of wafer oh. and caramel and chocolate. Oh. But when you eat it for two weeks straight, you never want to see another Twix bar in your life. Disagree. I could live on Twix. Did you ever freeze it? Have you ever eaten a frozen Twix? Yes, I have. Oh, but have you best. ever only eaten Twix for two weeks straight? I haven't, but I'm willing to take that challenge. That might be a I feel well like you should take that social challenge. media challenge. Yeah, I think you should. So that's where I was at last time around. And then somehow, 20 odd years later, I find myself back in Italy and I'm still keeping kosher even though I don't keep kosher. So I'm still not eating the Italian food. One day I will get back to Italy. I hear there's a lot of sausage in it. Yes. Is that what the dilemma is? That like everywhere you go, it's pork, 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 That wasn't innuendo. Okay. Um, What What innuendo? (laughs) I was being literal. I was just checking. (laughs) We're talking about food. Okay. Staying on the food. You want to have the sex uh, conversation later? We can, but okay. But I was, was a family serious. trip. No, I'm, <laughs> um, 
a lot of sausage in their stuff. I don't know. I did not eat in non-kosher restaurants. Right. I cannot tell you. We just had a lot of gelato. That was the one place we could all come together and experience Did you, did you do the same thing with your kids? Twix bars? No, I mean like gelato and all the other stuff. And how was it with your kids going in tow? I, I had a lot of dilemmas about this of really not just with this trip, but at this place in my life where my kids are getting older. And I mean, it's no secret that I'm not religious or clearly not as religious as they are. This isn't like I show up one way in their life and they'd be so shocked, but right. they're not attuned to some of the nuances or some of the things that are not in front of their face. And so it's how much do I intentionally put in front of their face? How much do I intentionally have conversations around it? And um, how much do I need to, in a way, sacrifice for where they're at right now? So if we're all hungry and you're keeping kosher, can I go get lunch? <laughs> Meet you guys back here in half What an would hour? you do? What would you get if you were, I mean, like, while you're with your kids and now at a different stage, like, what would you be eating? Come on, be honest. When, if I'm with my kids or if I'm not with my kids? If you're, I'm sorry, there's a fly in the room. Um, yeah. if you were, but like with your kids and you want to serve yourself in that way, right? And you want to be true to So with my kids, I'm, I keep kosher and it was not an easy, it was, I had many conversations with many people about it. And what I came to my conclusion- Did you ask your Rebbe? Was, I did not ask my Rebbe. My Rebbe is, this is my oh. uncle used to say, that he has, it's called the Pitzel Ruv. So Pitzel is, is teeny and Ruv is, is, is rabbi. So right. he would say that he carries the Pitzel Ruv in his pocket oh, and he would good. ask the Pitzel Ruv, is it kosher? And then the Pitzel Ruv would say, kosher. <laughs> 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 so that's, I have. Everyone needs a Pitzel Ruv that beats yes. the bench on a bench any day. <laughs> the Pitzel Ruv. The Pitzel Ruv in his pocket. So I carried him with me him or her <laughs> um to Italy but yeah only kosher with my kids and I decided that I don't think at this stage that they're at that they have completely come to a place of free will in terms of yeah. deciding where they're going with their religion they're in religious schools they have one religious parent they have a, relig a parent who's not religious there's a lot that they're going to have to unpack and deal with and at this stage of the game, they're in a religious environment. Yeah. I don't think it's right for me to say, yeah. see you guys in a half an hour. I think it would be a different conversation if I have this trip with my kid when they're in their 20s. Yeah. Now you have free will. You're choosing kosher, great. I will see you in an hour after I eat. It just seems like then they're able to choose and then I'm not being cruel or neglectful. It felt right now that that would be the case. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting, too, because this whole discussion about co-parenting is you can't control what the other parent does. You just have to accept it. Right. And so, like, when my ex does with my kids, when they're with her. Right. I trust that she's going to do whatever it is right and healthy for them. That's got nothing to say about kashrut or anything like that. But like, it just is what it is. I'm not going to control what they eat when they're with her. I trust the fact that she's going to take care of them the best way that she knows how. And you are still. I don't want to say still, that's the wrong word to use, but you are respecting, right, the environment that they are in and the environment that your ex has created for them, which is one that is devout to Kashru. And I think that's wonderful and commendable. 
Um, and so you're being very kind in that way and you're being very loyal to that. Uh, and that is a real beautiful thing to see, even though you are in a different place, spiritually speaking, when it comes to your own Kashru practices. Thank, that, thank you. There's, there's a part of that. I think my main focus is, is less about respecting their dad, which I, I, it is part of the equation, but more about respecting where they're at and understanding that they don't have an out. They don't have really the ability to choose right now. And if I were to take a strong stand and go against what, what, his, what he is teaching them or what they're learning in school, they're going to be forced to choose a side. One side's going to be wrong and one side's going to be right. And I think that is going to create possibly a very harmful internal conflict between the two of them. Whereas my approach is, I'm here. Let's have open conversations. You have the ability to choose. The doors are open. There's a world out there. There's things that we can talk about. You know, I'm here and ready and the world is here and ready. That was part of the goal of this trip is look at the big world out here. I'm happy to help you explore it. I don't want to create this internal conflict of choosing sides or lying to one parent or one person being the demon and one person being the savior. And so I'm the one who changed the status quo. We got married. We were religious. We put our kids in religious schools. I left. So I need to circumvent that and navigate around that. I don't think they have to. That's what I was worrying about. That's what I was uh, not worrying about, but thinking about in the sense of how are you also being loyal to yourself, right? Which is the sense that you've gone out and seen the world as this big kind of expansive menu of different options of whatever they are that you can choose from at your own free will. And how are you relating that to your children? Or are you just being completely loyal to whatever context your ex is sent? Um, But you've really, it seems like, taken the nuanced steps to right? Suggest to them, or at least provide to them what you're also looking at, right? So that they can engage it too, without being disrespectful to the other environment that they're, that they're part of, because you also see the larger impact on your children. It, it is such a minefield to navigate. I have many clients who struggle with this. I have yeah. friends and people in my life who struggle with this, of exactly this question that you're asking. How much am I in my authentic self? This is my list of my life. These are my choices, especially people coming from a religious background where their whole life they were shamed. You know, if you've done something wrong, hide it. There's so much shame behind these things. And so you're liberating yourself. And then in some ways you're saying, oh, wait, I still have to hide these parts. And it isn't easy. And then on the other hand, what I was saying before about not creating this conflict for my kids and For me, I I don't know if I've done everything right. It's definitely been a slow process, which which goes hand in hand with the older that they get. Um, The older that they are, the more that they can handle harder conversations and understand things differently. So I've just been, and also I've been progressively changing. So I've just been moving with that. They see where I'm at. There is no illusions, (laughs) just certain conversations could be had that are a little bit more specific. And- um, Although there will come a time for that. 
and you'll be able to have those conversations. Now necessarily isn't the time to have those deeper conversations unless they're ready, unless they ask for it, I would imagine. We're starting to, we're starting to have those conversations because I think my kids are getting to a point where I can say, what do you want? You can see where I'm at. Do you want me to be more honest? Do you want me to keep things from you? What are you able to hold right now? And so we're, we're starting to have those conversations. And yeah. They're really interesting. And this Italy trip was a big catalyst in, in changing things up and talking about things. I'm curious, but though, uh, about how you're different from this time around, right? You were religious at that time, right? You were in a very deep religious context. You hadn't had kids yet. You hadn't been married. And now you're at this completely different place where you've had kids and you're not married anymore. And you've taken this step outside the religious community and started to think for yourself. And yet being in the same place that you were then, did you talk to Sheva from 20 years ago? Right. Did she bring you any insight? Did you argue with her in any way being who you are now? What, like, what was that about? I don't think it was such a big experience. It mostly was in the realm of my kids, what we just talked about. Other than that, I think it was just very, um, it was self-reflective in the way that when you come back to a place, it's circling back to something. So noticing the differences in my life, noticing, okay, do I want to come back to this place? Am I going to keep cycling every 20 years back here? Is there something new on the goalpost? Uh, what do I want? What do I love about this place? Why do I keep coming back here? So it's trying to figure out what are the things that speak to me. And I'm doing that in a different place than I was when I was 18 or 19. Um, yeah. So how about you? What was your summer like? Uh, summer's been good so far. I have a good summer job. I'm running a day camp and that's a really fun experience. Um, I get to be around kids, which is always invigorating and fun just to kind of goof around with them. Um, the kindergartners in particular, they have just this wonderful energy uh, to see them laugh and play is uh, a really rejuvenating thing to be around. And I get to, you know, bring my kids with me on, you know, my days and sometimes my ex's days if she needs the coverage. And that was certainly what it was like before they went away to sleep away camp. Um, uh, and so it's been really good. I mean, the, it, it, it's, it, it's a good way to bring in money. It's a good way to, you know, do some work and not just kind of like sit around over the summer and beat the heat. Um, and it's been a lot of fun too. Um, the kids call me Rabbi Pancake, which is a fun thing. I'm not entirely sure how that got started, but they call me Rabbi Pancake. So I'll take it. Um, uh, and my boys went off to sleepaway camp for three weeks. They just came back. And that was, I think, the weirdest part of it. Um, you know, even with the custody schedule as it is, um, you know, there are five day swings where I don't see them at all, but I'm still in contact with them. My youngest has learned how to text and he's got a phone that he can text with. And so he sends me messages and it's really adorable and cute. Um, but um, being without them for three weeks is, Just going to interject. <clears throat> My youngest doesn't have a phone and she did certainly didn't have a phone when we got divorced. She was three or four and she used to take my ex's phone and send me messages from it. So I would get messages from him that said, I miss you so much. Heart, 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 smiley face. Oh emoji. <laughs> or I love you. I miss that? you. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was clearly from her because there were about 80 emojis, 
but it was such a jarring and funny experience to get those texts. That's got to be the way it is. Cause if not, I'd be receiving voicemail messages from my ex that said something like, I love you so much. And that would be ridiculous. Like I couldn't even <laughs> deal with that. That would be crazy. Um, but it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, and this time with them at sleepaway camp for three weeks was, I mean, in some ways it was bizarre because it was like, I, I, I didn't even have them on my mind in some ways, like they were out of sight, out of mind. And so I could just go and like on a regular basis, go and do my own thing. And it went by quickly. As I think about it now, I wonder how quickly it went by for them. Um, but there were times where it was like, this is kind of life even before I got married. Right. I mean, the five day swings, all you always, you know, like after three days, you're like, all right, the kids are coming back to me. Because um, time becomes our most precious commodity. Right. And this experience was almost like before all of that. And so feeling like I was really single um, and really at the stage where like there was a lot that was unwritten um, was very different uh, and just put me in a, a position to just kind of think about what I'm doing next, right? Almost as if I didn't have children, which was bizarre, uh, but also exciting to think about like a life without children in that way. And what would be the life that I would carve for myself knowing that. Was it a hard transition once they came back? No, I mean, I picked them up yesterday and it was really nice. We all went out for lunch and then we hung around and we played some video games together, which is a nice team effort. Um, and then they're back with their mother right now. So, you know, like the transition wasn't hard. I knew that they were going to come back, but there was a sweet spot in there uh, where I just wasn't thinking about kids and I wasn't thinking about marriage. And that was a bizarre position to be in because I don't think I've tapped into that place in my spirit or my brain for a really long time. Uh, and thinking about, you know, what I would do with my life without those things, without marriage, without kids in the picture was, uh, I mean, it was just very interesting. It was very, very interesting. And then on top of it, this summer, I've gone back on antidepressants, which is nice. Uh, and so like, that's a whole new, like mindset about things, um, which is fun and, you know, just useful. And also back on anti-anxiety meds too, uh, which is good. Uh, not so great for my sex life. And I won't go into the details about that. Uh, there are some things I will hold back from on this podcast. Is, is that a teaser for our next podcast? Maybe it is. Stay tuned to hear how antidepressants have affected no yeah. sex life. Um, but still dating, you know, going out there and trying to meet people. Yeah. It's a busy summer. It, yeah, I mean, I try to make the most of it. I've got the most openness in my schedule and, you know, least amount of demand of work that I need to put into things. But, you know, that that is what it is. Okay. Well, How's your dating life going? Oh, we have only two more minutes left till this call. So I don't know if there's time to go into that. That's probably enough, though. It's not enough. <laughs> Never enough time. We need a whole podcast episode for that. Uh, you know life has been but are you seeing anyone right now i'm currently not seeing anybody yeah neither am i and i seem to keep meeting women who are like just getting started in divorce or not completely through it it's weird it's like 
I realized that like dating and divorce is kind of like graduating classes. Like you have to meet the right person in the right graduating class because you know that they're ready to go through it or they're ready for something serious. And I keep seeing to meet women who are like in the process of divorce or just gotten out of divorce and like in the stage where they really can't commit to a lot of different things. Yeah, that's frustrating. very true. The stage really does make a big difference. It makes a huge difference. Although you get them fresh off the boat. Yeah, but I don't want anyone <laughs> fresh off the boat. I think that's the point. Like I want someone who's focused on their own life and focused on, you know, what's going on. So it's, uh, it's frustrating too, because I'm trying to meet someone and, you know, develop something and it's just a difficult place to be. It's upsetting. It's frustrating. Maybe not upsetting. It's frustrating. Yeah. But you were seeing someone for a little bit, weren't you? we're at less than a minute i was seeing somebody for a while yeah okay but um an amazing 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 man and just sometimes life situations don't add up um yeah uh, different places in life different needs right now and just really wanting to meet each other's needs but not being able to which is really sad it's hard to meet very special people and then yeah not yeah it not being able to work yeah or materialize i can respect that yeah so friends if the summer offered you new self-realization feel free to send those thoughts to us at the jewish divorce project at gmail.com or on facebook and instagram at the jewish divorce project we'll see you next time Mm -hmm.